QVC Quality Violent Cinema. Thank you for tuning in to Quality Violent Cinema. I'm Christian. And I'm Ian. And we have a very special guest. Uh, we have Fred Vogel. Really no introduction. Uh, most people uh, know if you're in any way in the extreme cinema or into it. Um, you've heard his name or know his, his films, uh, at least August Underground. Um, and we're not really getting into a topic. We're just really talking to him. He is the topic. He's done his steps and done his ways and paved his ways and scared the fuck out of some people. Yep. He's VIP of the underground. So we get a lot of cool information and tidbits that I've never even heard from him anymore. And I've probably listened to all his podcast interviews and stuff. So it's pretty cool. Some of the stuff that he, the insight that he has now after 20 years since the first August underground coming out to now, just to see what he's up to. It was great. I'm not going to lie. I end up, listening to probably like six interviews um, just to prepare. And I, I tried not to ask too many questions yeah. that had um, already been asked. All right. Well, let's get to the interview then. Yeah. Cool. Thank you for joining us. You know, you're such a legend into what you do. Um, you've definitely made a big splash when it comes to the horror community. Um, yeah, no, for sure. It's a big pleasure. So it's been, you know, a while since you're, you know, it's five years since the final uh, interview came out. Uh, what have you been up to? Oh, um, I've actually, I've been, I've been working, you know, getting through COVID, of course, you know, like the rest of the world. Um, but I've been, I've been very lucky to keep working in the entertainment business. I uh, worked on a few Netflix um, movies and TV shows and stuff for Amazon and, and things like that. So I've just been staying busy working, you know, and uh, writing and, um, you know, staying creative as much as I can. So you were telling us in the pre kind of before we started recording about how you're union now. Yeah. You're making you're making that union money. So <laughs> so how has that changed your life? Uh, you know, it's I mean, I'm still working hard, just making a little bit more money. Um and uh you seeing how other people, you know, the big shots make their their pictures, you know, and how money's spent and it's very different than from like what I do, you mm-hmm. know. So um, but it's, you know, it's great just to be in the movie business. I wanted to make movies since I was five years old and, um, I'm glad that at 45, I'm, I'm making movies. Yeah, no, for sure. It's like making dreams control kind of thing. Uh, any thoughts on redistributing any toe tag? You know, right now toe tag is kind of on like a hiatus. Um, you know, myself, Shelby and Jeremy, uh, you know, Jeremy's out in Los Angeles uh, Shelby and I are here in Pittsburgh, and it's just it's it's kind of hard to uh, you know get together these days, especially you know with, you know the plague and shit. Um, but um, you know even creatively, it's just just difficult. Uh, you know we still you know we're still toe tag. It's just that we're just kind of on a break. Uh, we yeah. worked so hard in the beginning stages of toe tag, um, you know, just full throttle all the way through. You got to make yourself notice. Yeah, it really just it really just took its toll on all of us creatively and financially, and um, I think it was just time for us to kind of grow up a little bit. You know, I kind of look at Toe Tag as like a punk band, Mm -hmm. and um, you know, when you're in your early twenties, 
you know, you're full of piss and vinegar and want to fight and, you know, make the most fucked up shit you can, you know, and then next thing you know, in the blink of an eye, you're in your late 30s or your 40s and it's like, you know, like I want to try something different. I want to try something new. And, you know, Jeremy's, he's been very successful out in Los Angeles, um, you know, working and uh, making, you know, suit for Marvel movies and all kinds of shit like that, which is awesome. And, um, you know, myself working in the business and Shelby, you know, working in the restaurant business. So, um, you know, we're just happy right now, which is really cool. And, um, you know, hopefully we can, um, you know, come back with the toe tag movie the way that we can do it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, back in the day, it was just, you know, just get it done. No money, you know, no sleep, mm-hmm. no nothing, you know. And I think now that um, we're all a little seasoned, um, you know, it's kind of hard creatively to get to that place again. Yeah. You, know, you grow out of that hole, you know. Right. No, for sure. Makes, uh, makes sense. Um, were there some other toe tag movies that you had that you had in mind that never got made? Oh, you know, not really. You know, I think every toe tag, every toe tag movie was uh, as soon as the one ended, the next idea kind of, you know, came to us and mm-hmm. uh, came to fruition. You know, there wasn't anything like, oh, man, uh, you know, I really wish that we would have made this. I think, you know, me personally, uh, you know, Pittsburgh body removal, this, which is, you know, a Fred Vogel thing and not a toe tag thing. Um, it's something I've been working on and trying to raise money for, and I've come so close and, you know, shit happens, you know, and, um, because shit happened, I, got, I was lucky enough to make the final interview in my latest movie, mm-hmm. and, uh, which was really a great step because Pittsburgh body removal is such a bigger project. And I think I needed, um, the experience, you know, working with bigger actors and doing it SAG and, you know, contracts and stuff like that, which I never did before. Everything was just done pure underground horror. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the final interview was a completely different animal. You know, I had other producers involved besides myself and Shelby. You know, it was the first time not working with Jeremy, you know, my mm-hmm. whole career. Uh, I mean, he did help out with props and stuff like that, but he wasn't you know, here with me in Pittsburgh, you know, doing anything. So that was different. But, um, you know, as an artist, I just want to keep making, making stuff, you know, it's just, it's, it's tough, man. You, you know, you, you're paying for it yourself. One question that I had, and we were talking about how you're not really doing toe tag anymore, but you still have the merch store and stuff, right? The physical location uh, for the toe tag store you know, right now it's pretty much just storage for us. Um, I'm okay. out of, I'm literally out of every movie. Um, okay. So like, there's really, there's nothing, unfortunately. Same thing with the clothing and every, you know, everything. There's little bits and pieces. Oh, there's a small t-shirt here, or there's a, ex- a three extra large hoodie here, mm-hmm. um, or you know, maybe there's a, a Blu-ray or a DVD or something that's stashed away or something like that. But other than that, everything is gone and. Um, it's kind of nice just to let that stuff kind of get out of print, you know, yeah. get people, you know, ravaging for it again. Um, you know, I wish I was making, you know, the $500 or selling my shit for on eBay, but like, uh, you know, if I do have movies, it's usually for my personal collection. Um, if people, you know, contact me and say, Hey, do you have something? If I have it, you know, like I want the fans to have it, you know, it's the whole reason why I make it. Um, but you know, right now I'm just uh, I'm just focused on the final interview and focused on the next project. And um, you know, Toe Tag turns 20 years old next year. 
you know, 2002. So who knows wow. what will happen? It's like having a child, you know, and it growing up, you know, it's like That's off crazy. to go to college. <laughs> I know it's crazy with August Underground turning 20 years old this year. Um, you know, I just can't believe that uh, I've been fortunate enough to keep making movies and making a living at making the movies, you know, make movies. So it's uh, pretty really cool. Great. Especially like in the underground scene, because so many of my peers, um, you know, kind of, you know, fell off and aren't being, aren't doing stuff anymore. And mm-hmm. it's a, it's a hard, it's a hard gig when you're an independent artist and you're trying to make your own movies. And I mean, especially like with, um, you know, the shit going on now with like the internet and how people are seeing movies. I mean, it was really hard for me, like putting out the final interview uh, during COVID, you know, where normally I'm at conventions, meeting the fans, selling the movies that way. And that's the way that I want to do it. But unfortunately, you know, it was a no-go. Yeah. I was going to ask, has there ever been a point where selling your movies and your merch paid the bills or oh, yeah. have you, have you, it, it, it definitely paid the bills, you know, for toe tag. Um, you know, uh, of course we all had a little side jobs, you know, here and there. Um, but it was taken care of four of us at one, at one time, you know, we had a big, um, you know, we've had two studios, uh, when we made the Redson Tower, we had like a 2,000 square foot studio that we built all the sets in for. So everything in the Redson Tower was on our stage. Um, and then um, in like 2007 through 10, we had like a 7,000 square foot facility, which was a monster. And we made Murder Collection Mask Head and Celeterska out of that one. So, um, you know, those aren't cheap. You know, yeah. it was, you know, we were just really lucky that, you know, the August Underground movies paid the bills, you know, little movie I made for 1500 bucks back in 2001 was still taking care of us in 2000, you know, in seven, you know, it was pretty cool. So what's your thoughts of the prices that the films go for now? I think just like anything, it's a collector's market, you know, same thing with my, you know, wrestling figures in the back. Um, you know, there's nostalgia, there's rareability. Um, I think people will pay what they want to pay for something. You know, if I see a wrestling figure that I want, that's $500. And if I have $500, I'm going to buy it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, think, I think, you know, us fans, you know, I've, I've paid lots of movies for old VHS tapes and, or whatever movie posters and uh, memorabilia and things like that. So um, I make movies for the fans. And I think, you know, our my fans and other fans of, of horror, uh, will you know do anything to get their fix so you know it's cool that the um, the movies are make you know are that kind of you know up there in value um makes me feel good that you know people actually give a shit <laughs> you know um but yeah i think it's cool do you keep in contact with anybody from the august underground movies still mostly you know of course my brother um and my cousin who are in the movie um, they're the ass sniffer and the girl in the convenience store. Oh, um, uh, who else? Who was the guy that had the camera in the first movie? Um, that was Alan Peters. He okay. was like, he was kind of like my, we were partners. Um, and, you know, once the movie came out, it kind of, it scared him in real life because we were, the reviews that we were getting um, were pretty intense because at the time, nobody really seen anything like it. So, um, I think, you know, he had a family, a wife and kid where I didn't have any of that. And I thought, you know, um, it just got a little too, a little too, you know, hairy, you know, especially okay. in the beginning. A lot of people don't really realize that. But like in the beginning, man, like when I was show, I would send August Underground 
um, for review. It was a VHS tape is going to, you know, the um, magazines and, you know, the birth of the internet. So uh, people didn't know, they didn't know me from shit. And they were just seeing a movie and with this, you know, with this guy like doing these horrendous things. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it hit him pretty hard. And, um, you know, one day he, he was just like, Fred, I can't do this and can't be part of this. And it stung because, you know, I thought I had a, you know, a partner to, to ride along with me for this trip, you know, this trip is going to be fucked up, you know, and uh, uh, he just, he couldn't hang and I respect it now, you know, at the time I was a little, you know, a little pissed about it, but um, you know, uh, things happen, man. And, you know, people have to take, you know, their priorities of uh, what's important to them. And, you know, his family, it was, it was top priority. I always thought it was kind of cool too how the first movie you have those two characters and then it jumps ahead to like a new set of characters almost, which almost shows that Peter, that's his name, right? Peter, yeah, has been doing that stuff for a huge span of time. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like if you fill in the blanks with your head, it almost adds to the story. Absolutely. Um, And that's, you know, I always hate it when people like, you know, shit talk to movies and say there's, you know, they're about nothing or there's no plot to them, but there actually is. You just have to, you know, really look into what's going on. You know, the, the art of the film is made to look like a home video. If it was structured like a movie, then the idea wouldn't work. It had to be, you know, directed that way. You know, it, it had to be made that way to where, uh, it was believe you were, I was giving you a little glimpse of just with tiny little bits of dialogue or something that you would see that would lead you further on into the film and mm-hmm. really who these characters were. And then by the time we, you know, came to August Underground's Mortem, that was a whole different animal. You know, um, I wasn't planning on making a, a second August Underground. Um, when the first one came out, Killjoy from Necrophagia contacted me and he wanted to start something creatively um, Jeremy Cruz, who was my friend from college, we wanted to do something together. He helped out with the original August Underground, but he wanted to do, um, you know, be more involved. Um, Michael Schneider uh, was an, a, a fellow Art Institute student, um, and you know, I met him through the video store that I first brought August Underground to, and I saw his movie, and I was inspired by his creativity and. Um, and then he knew Christy Wiles and, you know, so it was like, it was just like this really magical moment where all these really creative, sick fucking artists, um, you know, got together and we just kind of rode the coattail of August Underground because that's what we had. Um, nobody's seen it before and everybody was just enamored by it. And I remember like, you know, the first time, you know, Christy saw the movie, she thought it was fucking real. And the first time she met me, she thought I was a fucking monster, you know, um, Michael Schneider was, you know, definitely more at the experimental kind of films um, and more art films than I was. So he was really inspired. But like, oh my God, this is pretty cool. So it was just, uh, it was just a bunch of really like-minded people, all the same age bracket, all trying to do something out of college. And uh, it was pretty cool. Do you, um, so what's your thoughts about Christy and becoming like a reborn Christian? Hey man, that's her life. You know, she, it was, uh, it was time for her to move on to something different, you know, and now she's, she's a mother and, um, and she's happy and that makes me happy. You know, yeah. again, again, you know, it's like, we can't be, you know, like people, see, you know, people think we're these people from the movies, 
Right. You know, and it's 20 years too. Yeah. Chrissy's not, you know, she's not going to sit there and throw up for you or, you know, fucking, and I'm not going to, you know, smashing your head with a hammer or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. It's just like, you know, we're not these people, you know, we have lives. And I think, you know, as artists, again, you can only starve for so much, you know, you can only, you can only like, you know, do this for so much. And I think that's why, you know, a lot of people don't make it because it is, um, I always, I always talk about toe tag as like an Audrey two from little shop of horrors where like, it just kept drinking in our blood, you know, it's like dripping, dripping, dripping into this giant fucking plant and just kept eating and eating and eating. And it was eating all of us and just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And, you know, like toe tag, you know, was the biggest underground horror movie company. We were making the best, we were, you know, in my opinion, we were making great movies. Uh, they were all put out on DVD and they were, everything was real. They weren't burns. They were like, we were investing the time. We were investing the time in the merchandising of it. Bought our own screen printing machine. We were printing our own shirts. We were making posters. We were doing everything, keeping it in house. And, um, you know, that was pretty fucking cool, man. You know, mm. it was like, all the inspiration from like the misfits and kiss and wrestling and all this shit kind of all coming together and all these creative art, artistic people, you know, just working really hard and when you know the payoff isn't as good because again we're hitting this little niche um you know not everybody wants to see movies where you cut off girls nipples and smear shit in it mm-hmm. you know um so you know again you know we we were we were pushing we were pushing this you know so hard but again you can only push that kind of rock so far and uh, you know christy had to move on and mm-hmm. uh, you know, I love her. I always love her. She's a huge part of my history, creatively and um, as a person. You know, she's mm-hmm. my wedding. You know, so um, I love her, and I'm glad that she's, you know, whatever she's found, and you know, her kid and everything like that. That's her bag, and I love it. Yeah, yeah. So the the Pittsburgh removal. Um, I know Pittsburgh you said body, Pittsburgh body removal. Oh yeah, Pittsburgh body removal. Um, so you're, that's just a pushback and just because COVID and there's not really, yeah, I mean, dude, I can't, so like I work on big, I work on big movies yeah. and, um, you know, we put a lot into COVID testing Yeah. and I'm, I'm tested, you know, two to three times a week, you know, and we're very safe and there's masks and you know, the protocols are crazy and temperatures are taken. And I mean, it's even though like maybe in the world is kind of like opening up a little bit more, but still mm-hmm. in the movie business, it is fucking strict. And um, I would hate to make a itty bitty little movie and get somebody sick. Yeah, and, that makes sense. Uh, it's, not a, it's you know, <laughs> dude. You know, I, I made eight movies. You know, in in twenty years, it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm going to continue making movies. I just got to I just got to let this wave go mm-hmm. until it's safer for you know me to make something that you know that I can and keep everybody safe. You know, it's uh, yeah. This seems want, to be a common. Thing. Anybody, you don't want anybody to ever get hurt making a movie. It's mm-hmm. art, you know. So yeah, no, for sure. And you see that with a lot of people. I'm sure that's a common battle. You know, there's like there's very few people, unless you have like maybe three people on staff. You you know maybe you can put something together that's can work. But you yeah, know, big projects and, make problems. And it's cool. You know, people that if people that can that want to do it and want to take that risk. You know, again, I'm I'm looking to make something a little bit bigger. Pittsburgh mm-hmm. body removal is not small. Yeah. There's a lot of locations and a lot of sets and a lot of people and, and things like that. And it involves just, you traveling a lot. So, yeah. 
Um, so again, I always write to what I can afford, you know, um, so I have backups, you know, just like I had a backup for Pittsburgh body removal, which was the final interview. Mm-hmm. I got, a, I have, I have other backups that I can make on a smaller scale. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's just that I need to start making some money with the final interview, you know, yeah. I put, you know, I, I financed that movie and, um, you know, I put together a really beautiful three disc special edition package with, you know, art and autographs and, you know, it's, re- you know, it's, I think it's probably the best release, you know, we've ever done. And, you know, that cost a lot of money. No, that was a beautiful package. I have to say yeah. the whole, the whole presentation was well put together. I like the evidence yeah, the package ev- and everything. Yeah. I really liked all that stuff that you packed in there. Just like really fit along with the, the story too. You know, the whole time you're watching this case and then you get all the extra stuff. That was awesome. Yeah, it made yeah. it feel a little bit more real. No, absolutely. And again, like that's what I do. You know, realism is a huge fucking thing that I, you know, like all my movies have a are based in a reality, you know. There's this, this everything that happens in any one of my movies can totally fucking happen. Um some of them are horrendous and some of them are, you know, more drama based and those mm-hmm. are the kind of movies that I like to make. What about the brainworm and Solitursica? <laughs> Yeah, that was pretty cool. That could happen, right? Yeah, no, totally, man. <laughs> you, never, you never fucking know what kind of parasites live inside you. Yeah, yeah. You know, no, I was. That's another time when I like kind of filled in the blanks on your movies, and like I was like, oh, I wonder, like, if you know, while he was over there, if something like, came out of like sand or you know. <laughs> it's not. A, that's it, dude. My mind just kept wandering. I'm like, no, that's that's wonderful. That's what it. Seriously, that's what it's all about. And I'm not gonna lie, man. Like I thought about that thing coming out of the city, leaning up against, you know, your your Hummer and fucking some thing crawls in your the fucking bug or whatever crawls in your ear and yeah makes that happen. Or you're drinking water from a dirty ass goes in your sleeping well bag or something. Who knows? Yeah. And like, and again, it's just a giant metaphor for like what's going on in the world over there and how we're just lied to and we don't know what's going on. We don't know what's going inside us. We don't know. Like right now, we don't know what's going inside us with vaccines and shit. And you know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, we it's live in a, more real. a crazy time right now. So, yeah. So, what are your thoughts about the disturbing iceberg and you being placed on this ranking of about like halfway there, not even, you know, <laughs> is murder collection on there too, or is it just August Underground? Well, I don't know. I don't even know. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Well, it's kind of crazy how much it blew up. Be honest. Really? Yeah, it's, I I hate fucking social media, man. I really do. <laughs> uh, I mean, like, it, it fucks it's, me because like I can't even put like stuff about my movies up there because then I get flagged and they want to mm. ban me. So my social media really has become like my record of the day, or um you know seeing concerts or you know shelby and i doing shit like it's a it's a shame that i can't promote the way that i want to promote with all the algorithms and yeah with all that so it's you know i just got yeah no disco has been really nice because it yeah it doesn't have like i just got out of of facebook jail or whatever the fuck you know for like seven days and it sucks i wanted to promote you a little bit and i was like fuck i can't i have to wait until like last day because i'm in fucking facebook jail is stupid have you ever thought about doing patreon or discord or one of those like less moderated kind of i have no idea i have no idea what they are yeah yeah just just there are other avenues that aren't like you know moderated as heavily and they're more fan fan um 
you know, where the people pay subscriptions, your fans would pay subscriptions and you give them content oh. returns. Yeah. So you can sell, all sell kinds of weird ones. stuff that people do nowadays, especially since COVID. Yeah. Dude, I need, I need, I need somebody in their twenties or whatever, like helping me out here. I'm just, you know, it's out of out of times with that kind of stuff. Hey, yeah. We're trying to, we're I mean, trying to I, figure it out too. It's yeah, hard. No, being at 35 and I'm just like, what the fuck? <laughs> No, it's 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 crazy. Like I remember, like even just starting my Instagram a few years ago, I was like, I don't even know if I like this. Yeah. You know, I got to learn something new. Like, yeah. Me. Yeah, that make it difficult too, and it just seems like we're all just trying to stay connected, but you need like a thousand things to help you stay connected. It seems kind of. Like, yeah. No, and I, you know, I felt like I, I felt like I stayed connected doing these conventions, man. I, you know, I did conventions for twenty years. Mm-hmm. And I, going out there and meeting the fans and hanging out and partying and having a good time and meeting new filmmakers and artists and people from all different walks of life. And to me, that's really what it's all about. I mean, mm-hmm. granted, you know, we meet a lot more people, you know, via social media now and zoom and, and things like that. But uh, you know, I'm, I'm old school, man. I like looking somebody in the eye and talking to them and, you know, shaking their hand when we're done. So. No, for sure. I get that. Um, are you aware that there's a Fred Vogel College in Germany? Yes. No. Um, I heard that actually. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know much else besides that. I just thought that was an interesting fact. <laughs> no, you know that's good. Fred Vogel's a good name. Yeah. Good name. Oh, I like the name Vogel, and I actually had a question for you about that. There's a person named Scott Vogel. Have you ever heard of that person? And from a band called Terror. I know the band Terror. I didn't know yeah. um, that Scott, Scott Vogel, the singer. So sometimes, like, I'll call him Fred Vogel, and sometimes I'll call you Scott Vogel because there's not that many Vogels. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. So, what's your heritage then? Where does Vogel come from? A Vogel's German, and yeah. um, it means bird. Well, it makes sense. It was a German college, yeah. yeah. Oh, bird. Okay. Yeah. But uh, I'm I'm German and Russian and Native American, and. Uh, Polish and uh, a little bit of Irish in there too. So mm-hmm. I'm a mutt, you know. I think we all are. Yeah, I'm definitely a European mutt. Definitely not a purebred. Mm-hmm. So um, getting into like some of your filming, um, especially going into like underground cinema um, and kind of recording without permits. Uh, did you have any issues with locations where you had to run really quick or? Always. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the fun part. Mm-hmm. You know, um, when we were doing the the vomit scene in August Underground Smortem, the cops came mm-hmm. because the the we were filming underneath the tattoo parlor that we did the scene up in earlier in the movie. I think it's been a long time since I've seen it, but um, you know, there's a tattoo parlor. It's where all yeah. took, got their tattoos, and we were allowed to film in the basement. And the neighbors were like, "Wait a minute, why is there a light on in the basement? There's never a light on in the basement." So the cops came in. And um, you know, there's a naked guy in a corner. It smells like vomit. There's naked people. And, um, you know, I had to talk to the cops. And Jeremy, like, runs out with a pair of scissors and, you know, because he's you know, cutting a bag and doing all the shit. And, um, you know, so I had to talk to him. We t- I told him we were Art Institute students making a, you know, making a movie. I'm, o- I'm, I'm good with speaking with people. So yeah. I just, you know, I handled it the best way that I could. And, you know, and as soon as the cops left, we went back to shooting yeah, it's like seems like many of times that you've had run-ins with the law. Though I've we've heard that story of you when you went to Canada and got all your 
shit taken right before a convention where you're supposed to make a ton of money. That was fucked up. Yeah, it made it difficult. It happens, man. You know, and like again at the time, it really sucked. It really sucked. Yeah. Um, but you know, it was kind of like you know, I was just talking with Shelby actually about that. Um, and uh, it was I don't even know why we were talking about it, but it popped up again. And um, because that happened, I wasn't you know there was a um, uh, there was a problem with the pressing of August Underground and the Snuff Edition because they came out at the same time. And and the, and August Underground's more I don't know it was just the first, August Underground and August Under uh, August Underground Snuff Edition. They um, the companies uh, switch the covers on the artwork on the discs, so people were getting the wrong. They would have got the wrong thing. So because we got stopped, nobody ever was able to buy it, and I was able to get it fixed. And um, some of those, co- you know, those mistakes, um, the misprints, um, are out there. I I brought them to conventions and gave them to people who supported me a long time or you know i sold a few through the years whatever so there's mm-hmm. some pretty out there that's cool yeah what's what's the difference in the what is the deal in the snuff edition um like and then yeah, the, so the, the snuff edition is like a collector's edition mm-hmm. you know so like the, the first august underground has a killer commentary where it's me you know with a girl in the basement watching august underground mm-hmm. which what i th- which i thought was a really cool concept at the time i still think it's pretty cool and it has some other features that the other ones didn't you know, again, I'm a collector in the early 2000s, DVDs and special editions were fucking awesome, you know, and you could get the regular version or you can get the special edition with all this, the features and the commentary tracks and uh, things like that. So that's what I wanted to do. You know, I wanted to, I wanted to make, I wanted to play with the big boys, but still be underground and still make our shit the way that we wanted to, but like mm-hmm. have legitimate product. Yeah. Do you still get negative uh, mail or negative responses to August Underground? Oh, of course. People, you know, I'm a hack and, you know, the movie shit. And it's just those people don't get it, you know. And every time I read that, I just laugh. And then I think about all the fucking awesome fans that I have that have my face tattooed on them or, you know, the the influence that I've spread to a whole new generation of filmmakers. Uh, You know, you got to remember you know, there wasn't a found footage movement, you know, it was the Blair Witch Project and then August Underground. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, then there were, it, it started a whole thing and, you know, going as extreme and then like with the, you know, the Eli Roth hostile movies and, you know, this extreme cinema coming out. And, you know, everything kind of starts in the underground. You know, the best, the best music starts in the underground. The best metal started in the underground. The best punk rock started in the underground. The best rock and roll started in the underground. And then it just gets picked up and engulfed by the mainstream and uh, is just a shell of what it really is. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's what, you know, draws me to like my lifestyle of just what I love. You know, I love pure art, you know, music, movies, you know, movies that have, uh, you know, pure art behind it. And I think that's why, you know, like a lot of, um, you know, filmmakers who make their first movies, it's usually their best, you know, because it's just Mm -hmm. raw and they were just fucking under the gun and stressed out and trying to make something, you know, that they didn't know how to do. And that's usually, you know, where you can catch lightning in a bottle usually. Yeah. And then when you get kind of comfortable, then you have less turmoil, which creates less (laughs) creativity, you know? Oh yeah. You know, and I, I watch people throw money at problems every day. 
And I don't mm-hmm. have that. I didn't never had that luxury. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to use my fucking brain and be like, how are we fixing this shit? And when I yeah. wasn't using my brain, Shelby was being like, Fred, this is how we're fixing shit. Yeah. You know, that makes sense. I, yeah. My wife is like, you know, if, if, if she wasn't by my side during the making of like, you know, a lot of the movies, you know, I don't, I don't know what I did. She, you know, yeah. she kept it together. Do you me, feel so that- I, I can stay creative, you know, and I can do what I need to do. Yeah. Took that burden off my shoulders for sure. Do you feel you push too far sometimes with August Underground? No, that's what they had to be. Yeah. I, you know, like I'm, I'm proud of those movies. I'm proud of the mark they made. You know, would I make those movies today? As right now, you know, no. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just because uh, I'm not there mentally. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, you know, I the stuff I want to tell now is you know more for my age bracket. You know, I think you know August Underground was made by you know a 23 year old kid. Mm-hmm. You know, that was influenced by all kinds of shit going on in the world, like. Gotta remember, man, like back then, like Jackass was on TV, yeah. all this fucking shit. And kids were like, you know, recording themselves, shooting paintballs at people and just being fucking idiots, you know, like, ooh, we, you know, do all kinds of crazy shit. I just took that kind of, that kind of stuff to the next level with August on the ground and put a horror element to it because I love horror. Yeah. You know, like I fucking love horror and I wanted to use my special effects background to um to make some sick shit and mm. i was lucky enough that i had the talent to do it and i surrounded myself with other talented people and like when jeremy cruz came into the to the fix and i was able to step back and be more of a director and let him take the reins on you know a lot of the special makeup effects yeah and uh you know it, it made it, it you know propelled him to a whole new level too so uh you know it's just it was just really cool like that moment in time you know yeah. When was the last time you watched August Underground? I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think. It might have been seven years ago or something like that at a film festival. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so funny watching it now, you know? Yeah. It's like, I don't even, it's so weird. It's like, I don't even know who these people are, you know? And it's, you know, I get to see my grandma cause I killed my grandma in the movie my grandmother's no longer with us. And yeah, uh, that's gotta be surreal it, a little bit. Yeah. It makes, but it makes, you know, it, it makes me feel good seeing her in there, even though I kill her and take out her yeah, yeah. play with it and shit. Uh, you know, she believed in me ever since I was little. And, you know, she was the one that would drive me to the makeup store or the Halloween store to, you know, buy makeup and fake blood. And um, she sat on the bed and, you know, wrote down every Metallica lyric for Injustice for All so I can like sing it, lip sync it in my living room, you know, as a kid. Um, you know, bought me movies, brought me to the video store, did all this shit. So, and then like the clerk that I killed in August Underground um, inside the convenience store, like that guy was my video store clerk. Uh, he was the guy that like rented me the, you know, I spit on your grave when I was 13 years old when I shouldn't be watching shit like that. And, you know, he was doing that. So, you know, it's, I, I, I'm very fond of that movie. You know, again, it's my, it's my, it's like my, it's my, my first child, you know, and I wouldn't be here talking to you guys if, if I never made it. Yeah. You know? True that. You know, it's, uh, it's definitely a little, it's definitely my little contribution, you know, to horror. And I'm glad that I'm able to, to bring that, you know, 
and people and people recognize it and, and it's, it still holds up to this day like you know oh yeah it's it's one of those timeless ones um there's a few there's a few movies that make it to the most extreme list of all time every year you know people make them and your movie has always made it so since it's been made so i think it'll always be that way i hope so i hope so because it's some sick shit yeah <laughs> you know Come you on. don't see, you don't see a guy banging a girl doggy style and hitting her head with a hammer very often you know no no <laughs> No, and then you know, Mortem just goes crazy all over the place. But for some reason, I, I feel like Penance was the most disturbing for me, and my favorite. So that's my it's my favorite too. Yeah, yeah. really great effects on that one too. Yeah, I mean all I, of them. Yeah, I mean we were just we came off the Redson Tower, and I knew it, I knew that we were making it right after the Redson Tower. I was just like, listen, like. I'm like, we're making this fucking, I'm getting it done and I am stepping away from this, but I had to get penance done. Uh, I just thought Mortem had too many hands in the pot and creatively it wasn't, you know, what I envisioned, especially with like my characters and the name and everything like that. Um, I mean, I, I love and respect it totally, but again, I wanted to, I knew I wanted to like close the, close the, the, the book on it. And I wanted to show the decline of the characters because that was really the whole point of making August Underground was to show these like really dumb, horrible people. And uh, now I get to show them end. But of course, not like a typical Hollywood fashion. I give you the the happy ending or the ending that you want. I leave it open Mm -hmm. uh, for you to interpret it the way that you want to interpret it. Because again, a videotape just being recorded just turns off. There's no fucking ending in it. Mm-hmm. Even though it's an ending, um, that's where you have to be. I had to be creative and you have to be smart with editing and you know, writing of the because it's not done in a script format. Even though I did write a script for August Underground Penance and it was supposed to be this bigger project with Gunnar Hansen playing my father and things, um, but it was just going back to making it more raw, making it as real as you know, the other two, and uh. Yeah, I mean, there's there's some scenes in there that are just terrifying. You know, like the rape scene with, you know, Christy and I when she's all crying, like that shit's messed up. And there's a lot of, you know, the the non-real violence stuff is really a lot of the messed up stuff mm-hmm. you know, that you see. You know, and like the whole thing about, you know, consuming, you know, the, the lion and the alligator eating, like things like that, dude. All that stuff is just giant fucking metaphors for like who these characters are. And... uh you know, some people get it and they're like, oh, oh, man, I get that. You know, and then some people are just right over their fucking head. This is so dumb. Turn this off, you know. So uh, I'm glad that it, it, it you know, uh, you dug it and uh, you got it. And, and a lot of people do love Penance and it's their favorite. So it's cool. Are there any movies that you've seen that are too, that were too much for you? Too disturbing, too gross, too taboo? Ah. Uh, I mean, I don't watch as much of that kind of stuff, you know, anymore. Um, I think the last movie that I was like, whoa, that's pretty intense, uh, was Martyrs. Um, I like when, I like when you know, like three billboards, you know, I like the violence in that. Like, you know, movies that are, you know, not your traditional horror film has violence. You know, to me, that's just easy 
you know, but like when you're trying to tell like a dramatic story and then there's like violence that goes on it, that impacts, you know, it's more impactful to me. That's why I like, you know, David Lynch and uh, Scorsese. Cause I love that. I love that like realistic violence. Or mm-hmm. those later Cronenberg movies have yeah, like oh, explosive yeah. gore in them. Yeah. Oh yeah. Cronenberg's one of my favorites. Yeah. And I love like the dead zone. I love the fucking dead zone. Um, even in uh history of violence, like some of the gore in that movie yeah. is so good. Well, for sure. Yeah. Um, and butterfly but, makes you cry. <laughs> but yeah, unfortunately it's, um, it's few far between, you know, like it doesn't take a lot. I mean, Gigi Allen hated was one of the last movies to disturb me when I saw that back in, uh, you know, 95. Yeah. The documentary uh, fucked. That documentary fucked me up. Cause you know, I didn't really know of Gigi Allen. And it's so funny because years later, like Merle Allen is one of my, you know, good friends. And, um, uh, but at the time, that shit was fucking scary just thinking about some dude that was just, you know, smashing a microphone with his fucking teeth. And have you, have you heard of Kettle Cadaver? I'm not sure. Kettle Cadaver, he's, yeah, he's a little more intense. Uh, we did an episode about him and he kind of, our show is kind of spreading the awareness on that right now. Yeah. It, he he was uh, nailing his dick into wood on stage while he was performing and doing some. Oh, okay. But he actually used to do backyard wrestling. So okay. and so, but he was one of those people that could you know do barbed wire and nails and fucked up you know glass and so he was used to like bleeding all the time. Um, so he kind of just took that to the stage and just kind of put it as part of his performance. Um, it's kind of fucked up, but I mean it's hard to watch. But if you see it for seeing his background, you're like, okay, there's a good documentary. Uh, similar to hatred that's about him um like dead hands dig deep it's really good um, no I, I you know again i i dig all kinds of you know of expression in art you know i'm i've been i've been to europe where like people paint with shit you know seeing mm-hmm. art like live yeah you know <laughs> dipping their hands in blood and doing all kinds of real blood shit you know live um and again it's just you know that's the way they're expressing themselves and like who am i to fucking judge that shit you know i just i just take it in and you know i know good art when i see it and it can it can be the visual medium it could be a rendering it could be whatever so um you know how people want to express themselves how Gigi expressed himself and how this other guy you're just talking about expresses themselves you know hey man if that's that's how you get your your art out there more power to you mm-hmm. well uh What's the grossest real thing that you've seen, like in real life, or maybe not grossest, but most disturbing? I mean, have you seen anything that's really yeah. messed you up in real life? You know, I I saw a dead guy um, at a fish concert on uh, tripping on mushrooms. That uh, that was fucked up. Um, I've been to autopsies. I um, for Pittsburgh body removal, I picked up the dead. You know, to write that script, I had to like go pick up dead bodies to write it. So that shit was fucked up. Um. But yeah, you know that's uh, well. There's, there's definitely a lot. Some, yeah, there's some haunting shit in there. Yeah, you know, and I've had you know, unfortunately, like I've had real violence. Like in my life, my cousin was murdered when I was making the Redstone Tower, and uh, you know that. And, that, and that's why violence is very important to me in my films, is because of how real and how painful it is. And uh, I never, I never try to make it funny. I always try to make it real. And um, you know, because that's what violence is. You know, violence is real, and it affects it affects people. You know, so I want to I want to provoke you artistically with the violence that I'm showing, um, but it's all needed for the story that I'm telling. Yeah, 
Makes sense. Do you know that there's clips of your movies on porn sites or you actually like horror movies? I was finding on online and I was going through and searching through. I was like, I wonder if there's any like August Underground parody porn is what I was trying to see. <laughs> but then I figured out that you were actually just your clips are just randomly in porn sites. I'm like, oh. fucking weird. <laughs> so, man, your fetish algorithms are going to get kind of weird now. <laughs> I'm everywhere. I'm a college in Germany and I'm in porno. <laughs> Holy shit! I'm on there fucking hundred albums. You know, whatever, man. Like, yeah. put deep fake Fred Vogel, <laughs> <laughs> like hammered shaped dildos. You know, or something. <laughs> yeah, my face on it. <laughs> so, is there any film that you've seen that kind of you could tell that had an obvious influence on from August Underground? Uh sure, lots. Um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, say names. Um, and I learned this from George Romero, you know, uh, George, the whole reason why I moved to Pittsburgh was because of George Romero, Tom Savini and Bruno San Martino, you know, George was always, you know, he got, he got asked that a lot. Like, you know, do you have, did you influence or any movies that, you know, influence you've, that you've made influence this or what movies you think are better or worse or whatever. And, he was always really, you know, cool about how he explained it. And I look at, the, I feel the same way about it. Like more power to you, you know, and I'm glad that my art inspired you because you know what? The the home invasion scene in Henry inspired me. Man Bites mm-hmm. Dog inspired me. Uh, Cannibal Holocaust inspired me. Last House in Dead End Street inspired me. All the fucking horror movies that I watched from the time I was nine or five or whatever to that moment in time inspired me the music that I listened to the fucking news that I watched it all fucking inspired me. And, you know, as an artist, you got to take all that shit and just fucking spill it out. And, you know, did I make something, you know, there, there's definitely movies that had, um, you know, the cinema verite style for sure. I wasn't the first one to do anything like that. I wasn't the first one to, you know, tell a story like that. I just made it, very realistic you know and i made it nihilistic and there was no compromising with it and i didn't cut away from the cameras like i really made it true um you know found footage you know if you watch cloverfield and stuff like you see the edits you see all that stuff like and there's none of that downtime that happened you're making a home video and it's all you know the big bang stuff that oh we got we got to show this we got to show this we got to show this like you know, in August Underground, I film a piece of shit for a couple. You know, I we, yeah. you know, me jumping on a hay bale, whatever. Yeah. Um, that's the shit that took it to the next level, and it's where a lot of fucking movies failed. Yeah, and- I think the only thing I've seen in comparison to maybe earlier to your films is uh, I Love Snuff, right? Like Jean Coutts, or um, he has a, but it's just kind of the same because it's, it's shot, you know snuff type win mentality but yeah but it never got distributed because it was very much like a he produced himself he put out himself and and it has that feel that whole time so it's not it's pretty gross if you haven't seen it the um tetra is about to put it out but when did this come out um it's gonna it came out in 90s like 94 95 something like that um but it um it's yeah, kind it's of tra- trauma vibes, sort of to it, though. Yeah, and some, yeah, but the but the actual trauma meets Gigi Allen, kind But of. he he, yeah, he takes like a tampon out of his ass and shoves it in the girl's mouth. It's gnarly, but like, yeah, it's pretty out there. 
Yeah, I mean, because you know, you got to think about that t- that moment in time. You know, like you were able to have access to those consumer cameras, mm-hmm. and uh, you'd be foolish not to think that people did shit like that. Mm-hmm. You know, they did shit like that. Yeah, you know, they make. You know, you think about someone a camera, they're gonna make gross stuff. <laughs> oh, for sure. You know, I remember, I remember, like you know, being in in eighth grade, making like little movies with my friends, like you know spitting on a desk and sucking it back up or doing stupid <laughs> I mean, just doing stupid shit like that you know yeah was there anything out though that like around the time because you said the blair wish project was like the only thing that inspired you but was there any other cinema verite stuff like that that was like because other than blair wish project i can't think of anything that looks like yours like cannibal holocaust has a lot of kind of linear narrative stuff in it but yeah. yours is like is very well, different and i don't well, know how you got the idea for that well the thing was is that henry you know the most disturbing scene in henry is the home video scene yes and i just remember being like just imagine watching a feature of that shit like how fucked up would that be like this is making me super uneasy i remember like I, that's the clip that i would show actors for august underground is be like okay so what i'm trying to do is this so it needs to look real and your your performance needs to come off as real if it, if it doesn't then it's not going to work so um you know when when august underground was first conceived you know the character of peter was more of an artist and he had like paint you know i, I in the basement set i had like paint hanging from strings and like I'd paint, you know, slap paint on the victim's face and I would do art. And, you know, again, I'm an artist, you know, I went to fucking art school. So I wanted to kind of use that expressionism, you know, with, uh, uh, you know, with the art. And it just became, you know, too hokey, even though it was cool. And, you know, same thing with the, the home invasion scene in um, August Underground's uh, Penance, the Christmas scene. Mm-hmm. You know, talking about it like, hey, we're going to rape this girl under the Christmas tree. You know, like that sounds kind of stupid. And we weren't sure if it was going to work, you know. But what happens is, is that like my character and Christy's character are just so powerful that like we made that work. Like you're you're terrified. You know who I am, you know, and I come in that door and I smash the husband in the head with the fucking hammer. And I go right for that hairy bush. You know what I mean? And I'm ready to fucking do my thing and then i can't get my dick up like i mean it's there's lots of stuff going on in there yeah and then then the kid comes down and there's that whole thing and it's so have you ever disclosed how old the actor that played the kid is because no because it keeps the mystique going yeah you know what i mean like yeah i almost don't want to you'd laugh at the real story you know what i mean yeah yeah you know that's the things you gotta you just gotta keep to yourself and it's just it's the mystique like the mystique helps these movies yeah you know um you know like when i first made august underground i wanted to drop like videotapes off at you know in public parks and at the police station uh you know my lawyer at the time was just like no fred you're gonna go to fucking jail for real and not overnight i was like man i want to i want to go to jail for like a night and then i want to go on entertainment tonight you know like that's how my brain was working at that time Mm -hmm. and uh, he was just like no 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 Especially because that in 2001, you know, with 9/11, and then an anthrax scare that was going on. So anything that was like terrorism, yeah, it was terrorism. Yeah, and I did not want to go there 
you know, I did not want to go there. Like he said, he's like, even if, you know, we let these people know you, the processing on you alone would take months. And I'm like, I'm not sitting in a fucking jail cell for months. Mm-hmm. I don't think it could have came out at a better time either though, because that's when the public was really craving the violence. And, you know, oh that's yeah, when... man, just the ni- end of the 90s sucked. Yeah. You know what I mean? There wasn't anything good. Uh, but there, you know, all the good stuff is coming from Europe and Japan. You know? Exactly. That's when I got into Japanese cinema is like yeah. early 2000s. Yeah, you know, Battle Royal. About your stuff. All, those, all those movies. Um, yeah, dude, there was nothing, nothing here. Nothing here. So, uh, you know, I knew that with my special effects background that I can make something fucking gnarly and um, simple, you know, and it's so funny because like August Underground is not really that bloody. You no. know, it, but people think it's just so bloody and gross and stuff like that. And it's just like, no, that's your brain. That means just like the Texas, what the Texas Chainsaw Massacre does to people thinking that it's bloody as shit. It's not. And, you know, to have that kind of power for your brain to think that you're seeing all this carnage when it's just these little, little bits, you know, yeah. the opening scene of August Underground is just like, holy shit. Like you're going straight to fucking hell, you know. You're seeing this girl in the chair. You're seeing this guy with his dick cut off in the bathroom. Like there is no, no, and that camera goes right to it. Like you are yep. seeing it. It is not cutting away. There's a dick in the toilet. Like it's disgusting down there. the The quality of the the footage, the way the the way that we um, degraded it, you know. Like now everybody's lazy and they put a fucking filter on, you know, their final draft or whatever. You know that was us being creative and like recording from tape to tape to tape to tape to tape to tape to get that look that's where you're ahead of the game that's what what makes it stand out yeah sure yeah the look very authentic and most people don't go for that authenticity no because again it's easier it's easier to put that fucking grindhouse filter on it and have those i was just talking about a movie i think it's snuff 102 where i had to turn it off halfway through because there's so many filters that they used over the (laughs) the footage that it didn't look like you were watching something. We had a whole episode about snuff stuff related movies. And a lot of them were just really lackluster because they were going for authentic, but they were being lazy with it. Yeah. So you, you know, you think they would have learned from you, but they didn't. <laughs> yeah. Well, because they don't know, they don't know the tricks up my sleeve. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I'm gonna I'm always butcher the name of this movie, but uh, the the what's Sala the game? Tersica, right? Yeah, Sala Tersica, Yeah. Yes. Um, was a game that the guy is playing a video game in that scene? Um, it's a fan. Um, worked for a video game company, and he contacted me, and you know he like he told me what he did, and I'm like, oh, you know what? There's this guy. I think his name's Tim, and uh, he they made that little clip. You know, for me to have in the have in the movie, so. so yeah, so it's not based on a real game. It's just like a clip to make it seem like I kind of figured as much, but I was like, I was curious if like there was a like a prototype or a demo that made uh-huh. made out of it, or I was like, interesting, uh-huh. like a mod or some shit. So, is there any backstory to the creature that um, took over Bradley? No, um, we called it Edamame, Edamame. <laughs> you know, it had all different names. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it looks like a dick. You know, there's lots of, like you said, man, there's tongues and tongues. You know, we're, Toe Tag is all about symbolism, man. And we like to really make you work for our shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I hate plot, man. I hate when there's too much plot shoved down my throat and it makes me not think. You know, we got these beautiful things in our head called the brain, man, and they can do amazing things and they can think about all different kinds of shit. And like, that's why I love to read. I'm a big reader. And I, you know, when I read, I can visualize shit. And um, that's what I hope people do with my, with my movies is that they think about it. And when it's over, it's not just put back in the case and put on a shelf. It's like days of like, what the fuck was that? You know, that's what I hope. You know? I always think of August Underground as something that I have to get out of my system once a year. Like I kind of have to just watch it and it's like, like a purge. Oh, I did it. All right. Cool. <clears throat> I'm good. That's awesome. Uh, what are some good modern books then that you read or some modern um, authors? You know what? Here's the funny thing, man, is I just read biographies. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't read any fiction. My brain is full of it. Yeah. So, um, what are some good good biographies? Even? Oh God, I you know what was the most recent ones? I'm reading an Elsa Lang uh, Elsa Lanchester, uh, who's the Bride of Frankenstein. I'm reading that one. I got Billy but- Billy Butler, who was in Texas Chance Massacre Three, A Night of Living Dead. He's a friend mm-hmm. of mine. I got his book. Just started that. <clears throat> I got like three. But I got a book on Black Sabbath. I'm reading right now. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, man, I read everything from. Damien Eccles from the West Memphis Three to Evil Knievel to Van Halen. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I love, I love, I love pop culture, and I love, uh, I love people who succeed. You know, it's it's and like everybody. We all start from nothing. You know what I mean? And I think all the great artists kind of like you know have to start from nothing and create. And Frankenstein is such a big influence. And I, you know, I read Frankenstein at least once a year. Yeah. Um. And, you know, like I, I'm kind of my own Dr. Frankenstein, but I'm also my own monster. Like I love to create, but I'm also that thing that terrorizes the, you know, the countryside, you know, wreaking havoc and killing small children. Yeah. Do you ever wish you went an entirely different direction in your filmmaking? No. Uh, yeah. I mean, shit, dude, I, you know, like I'm fucking talented, you know, and I know I can make anything, uh, I was put here to make underground movies and, you know, in like, kind of like, I look at my career kind of like, I hope he comes like a Peter Jackson. Cause I love Peter Jackson's career. I love how, you know, he was just, a, he's just a fan of, of movie making and special effects and art. And he made his little videos back in the day. I made my little videos back in the day. He made his gross out movies for his first films. I made my gross out movies in my, for my first films. I, uh, I've, I've, when I started doing more genre, you know, drama-based stuff, he did more drama-based stuff. So, you know, Peter Jackson is a huge influence, you know, on me for one. Um, but again, like, I think that's just, you know, that's kind of where you go, you know, dude, I, I can't sit here and make August undergrounds for the rest of my life, dude. That's just so not creative. So you're um, eventually going to do a big uh, Frankenstein movie then? I have, I have a script already written. I wrote it like eight years ago. Yeah. I bet. Yeah. That sounds so, cool. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. Um, it's just uh you know and like the how i do the reanimation and all that shit it's real you know like i do i fucking studied a lot and you know and i took a lot from every all the frankensteins that i love from the books to the movies to character names and uh things like that and kind of spun it all in my own little web and, and made my own thing with it so that's why you, that's why you read it every year to get more ideas to kind of feed into the story or no i read it every year because it's just part of me yeah. And I watch, I watch I watch Frankenstein like all the time. It's mm-hmm. my most watched movie in my whole life. You know, I got Frankenstein tattoos and 
my Frankenstein, you know, do you think this is big? Like my Frankenstein collection is like ridiculous. Yeah. Um, from like board, from autograph, like Boris Karloff autographs, to like real pieces from the set, you know. Um, you know, Frankenstein is that, it's that key piece of me. You know what I mean? It's it's definitely my biggest influence. Like seeing, seeing Boris Karloff's face as the monster when I was, you know, five years old, man, like I fell in love. I didn't know what that was, that dead gaunt square head bolted face i just was just like i don't know what that is but i fucking love it and um i've been chasing that dragon my whole life and just wanting to make something as good as frankenstein and maybe eventually make uh the zombie movie or Uh, well you know greg's doing a great job with uh the walking dead i mean like where do you really go from there i mean this yeah so it makes it feel hard with plot because yeah they're they're very like two-sided there's like viral or reanimate or like you know we're coming back from the grave and and that's about it you know it's like yeah so like right before i made august underground like i was i was going to use august underground as a platform for me to make my zombie trilogy you mm -hmm. know and george romero is a hero of mine and um i wrote a treatment for a zombie trilogy and you know how my zombies comes to life was uh you know through an earthquake that happens um that cracks the core of the earth and it puts up a gas that like re reanimates life so like new york city in like five years is completely engulfed with vegetation and everything is anything that was put in the ground is coming back to is coming back to life and i thought that was kind of fresh at the time um, that's cool you know, it's it'd be you know it's a big, huge movie. You know, that's huge. There's no fucking way that was ever going to happen. And then, you know, like Walking Dead comes along and it's good, and the zombies look amazing, and the effects are great, and it's great storytelling. And uh, you know, I think with it's unless I unless I can really do something fresh, you know, I don't need to do anything there. What was your idea with the Lee Harvey movie? Oh, so like, you know, I'm fascinated by history. You know, I love history, American history, uh, world history. Um, and I just think that, you know, there's a lot of fucking crazy shit that went on with that whole situation. And Scott Swan, who is now Rebecca Swan, uh, who I did Mask Head with and who wrote the final interview and who's kind of like my writing partner on a lot of things that I'm working on right now. Uh, she's yeah, I see a lot of credits with you. Yeah. Yeah, no, she's awesome. Um, but uh, it was it was a project that like we talked about during like Maskhead, and uh, you know, kind of telling like this, like all the kind of conspiracy shit that we've all heard. Um, you know, kind of tying that into like a movie, you know. So there's all different kinds of you know interesting stuff. So that's what we were talking about. That'd be sweet. I'd love to see a historical kind of a historical Fred Vogel or even a, a historical toe tag would be cool. Yeah. Oh, do you miss having your hands in multiple roles in the film or do you like to simplify it and do more direct and directing or producing? Uh, you know, it all depends on what, like what needs to be done. Even though I'm the director, I'm, I'm very hands-on in everything. Like I, I don't push the buttons, but I edit my movies, you know, like I literally sit there with an editor and go through it frame for frame and, and put it all together. Um, you know, I hire the, the the music people. I I you know I do everything as much as I can. Again, with the help of like Shelby, um, and I had, I had a wonderful team on the final interview. 
but uh and then i love special effects man and like when it comes up and i get to get my hands dirty that's cool you know um but creatively like you know being a director as long as i've got a really good story to tell it takes a lot you know i'm, I'm very passionate and very um I'm very excited when I'm, when I'm creating a movie. So like, I really need just to focus, you know, it's kind of like an ADD thing where I just, I, I just have to like focus on like what I'm doing for me, for me to beat it. You know what I mean? For me to finish it and get every, everything done. I have to like put everything into it. And I always say that like, you know, taking, making a movie always just takes like time off my life. Yeah. You know? um, because I'm just putting so much into it. I'm like my heart and soul and everything into it, you know? So, and I believe in it so much. So yeah, you I, don't know, I don't know how people do multiple roles like that, like <laughs> getting behind the camera, then telling people what to do, then acting, and then going over to effects like you were doing on August Underground. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, so that was that was definitely difficult, and like I think I kind of stepped away from that the more movies that I made. You know, um, you know, there's a big difference between like my style of filmmaking, where I am a director now, and like Jeremy did the special makeup effects, and Shelby was the producer. Um, you know, there's guys out there that like are total auteurs, you know, and fucking write, direct, act, do the sound. Well, I'm sure it has a lot to do with budget everything. too. And I mean, that really just spreads you th- so thin. Um, you know, and for me, like, there's lots of fucking awesome, talented people out there that I want to put in my movie and I want to help make my movie. And I've been so lucky, man. I got to like, you know, bring Camille Keaton into a toe tag movie, you know, who mm-hmm. I love. Neil Keaton from I Spit on Your Grave. It's, it's one of my favorites. I got to bring Diane Franklin into my movie. You know, Last American Virgin and Amityville Horror Part 2, like some of my favorites. So, uh, you know, I'm lucky that way to where like I have, a, I have the, you know, the creative power to put these people in. And, they're, and, and I thank them for, you know, wanting to trust you know, some small time indie guy in Pittsburgh that if you look him up on the internet, he makes the most disturbing movies and they still believe in me to come and, and make something special, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you do any kind of, uh, anything uh, else than like art and drawing um, in your personal life right now? Uh, so like I'm, I'm working on building a full size Frankenstein. Uh, I, I, I bought this really beautiful, a bust of the monster and I'm going to cast my buddy's arms to make the hands for it. And I'm going to paint it. And my friend who's a costume designer, she's making the suit for it. So like I'm working on that. And I, I always, I'm always, you know, painting or doing something, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I just, I, I still love art. I wish I had more time. It's just working in this, you know, every day, really long hours. And I think that's why like our unions, you know, it's, 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 it's crazy right now because we're just working so much. Yeah, and you're still being creative, so it's it's not like you're not yeah. doing some kind of art form. Oh, I mean, I would, I, you know, like I'm, I was a really good sculptor, like a really good sculptor. I, so that's what I did at Tom Savini's makeup school when I taught there. I was a sculpting instructor, and uh, I haven't sculpted in a long time, and I miss it a lot because, like, it was yeah. definitely, like, you know, something I really love doing. It's, it's haven't had the time. So, have you thought about going back into teaching? I still do. You know what, man, until COVID happened, I was still teaching. I, uh, okay. I taught for the Pittsburgh cultural trust and I taught little kids, uh, city kids that, you know, have a hard time, you know, you know, getting art supplies and I would go and do makeup demonstrations or do sculpture demonstrations for them. And I would teach senior citizens or older cats to, 
you know, you know, do a little sculptures and, and things. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm always passionate about teaching always. Yeah. So uh, again, you know, COVID it changed, it changed a lot. And it, sh- it shut a lot of those kind of uh, grant funded um, city programs down because, you know, they're not taking the money because on COVID everything was kind of just shut down. So, yeah. And it's also something it'd be good probably for you to like, you know, say after COVID, um, for you to fall back on to almost like um, instead of retiring and getting out of film, just go back into teaching and. Oh yeah. I, I'm shit, man. I fucking love it. Mm-hmm. I, I loved it then. It made me, it made me a better Fred being a teacher, mm-hmm. you know, especially cause I was a lot younger than even some of my students coming in. It, it was, it made me grow up a lot. It made me um, learn more about people and how to handle different kinds of stress from, you know, and how to yeah. build, how, how to build people up creatively. You know, when somebody yeah. comes in, they're not, they never touch clay before. And um, instead of like putting them down for not doing something so great, you find that one special thing and yeah, you build them up and you, you know, you motivate them. Yeah. And, but, uh, like you've yeah. had your big splash and but it's like rippling over to other people, you know? Yeah. So No, it's cool. Uh, what do you consume media wise um, these days? Or are you still into extreme films? <laughs> You know, no, no. Uh, if something good comes along and somebody's like, Fred, you need to see this, I'm totally down with watching it. I love being turned on to new stuff, if it's movies or music or whatever. Uh, you know, usually when I come home from work, you know, Shelby and I have a little bit of time before I got to go, I have to go to bed. So, you know, we'll just watch a bunch of crap, you know, Hell's Kitchen or, you know, maybe try to watch a movie. Um, I wanted to watch James Wan's new movie. I haven't had a chance to watch that yet. Um, I got to see Candyman in the theater. I got to escape and do that. That was fun. Um, I'm excited for the new Halloween movie. Yeah, that one looks really good. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, they're not the original. It's not part one. You know what I mean? No. Like those movies, you know, they hold a special place in my heart. But I support horror, and I support, you know, going to the theater and seeing it. So. Yeah, no, for sure. So is um is listening to Necrophagia difficult for you now? You know what? It was for a little while, for sure. You know, when, I, when Killjoy first passed away, I, I like put it, I put a record on and I had literally immediately had to turn it off. I got like one song in. I'm like, turn this off. Yeah. Because that dude was such an important, you know, person to me. Um, I loved him dearly, you know, uh, he was a he was a brother of mine. I I have like in his handwriting, you know, gore, you know, gore forever tattooed on my my leg. Um, you know, he's one of the first people to believe in me and support me. And you know, we just had a kinship, man. Like we hit it off immediately. He was one of the he was one of those people who I met and instantly was just like, I've known this guy my whole fucking life, you know. And, uh, did I, and I totally realized that I wasn't going to be 70 years old sitting on the fucking park bench together, you know, playing chess or talking about old times. I knew that, uh, cause he was a rock star for sure, you know, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, now when I listen to necrophagia and it's actually been popping up a lot lately, um, because his daughter, I think, is releasing a lot of stuff right now and putting out new, you know, for tapes and a lot of the old catalog. And uh, 
it, it just makes me kind of like go back and like think about that awesome time that I had, man. We had a fucking blast in Europe together, dude. In 2003, we, you know, we toured Europe and Totag did all the stage props and I shot a documentary out there with him and I was on stage with him every night shooting video and seeing the fucking world with my, you know, with my brother, like that shit was fucking awesome, dude. Mm-hmm. You know? So what kind of music are you into lately? Uh, what am I into? So I just got back from Riot Fest in Chicago. Um, and Riot Fest is like one of my favorite festivals because it's just so all, all over the place. But, you know, getting to see the Circle Jerks was really fucking awesome. Yeah, and Evo and Body Count and Run the Jewels. Fuck yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, we got to see Judas Priest, you know, for the 50th anniversary Man, I listen to fucking everything. I love music so much. The only shit I don't listen to is like modern country. I don't, I don't do that. My tractor sexy. Yeah, I can do some old honky tonk. You know, like old school I love shit. Old honky tonk, man. I like. You know. Uh, yeah. I, That's what people say. Like, I don't hate country. I love me some old country. Like old school country is fucking bomb. Yeah, it's, it's just what what the hell is bluesy. it right now? Just, I don't know. It's just poppy. It's just too poppy for me. And like, yeah. you know, that's one thing, man. Is I try not to be like a, a fogey when it comes to music in movies too. And but I mean, I give everything a shot. And there's some great bands. Just like you have to, you have to dig and you have to find these bands. Um, there's a band uh, from one of my friends. They're called Vicious Blade. Uh, they got a female lead singer. They got killer guitar players. They got. They're on. Um, they're not, not Spotify, but there's another one, Bandcamp. Hmm. You know, give them a listen. They're fucking thrash metal. They kind of sound like Metallica. Like, I love shit like that. Um, but dude, you know, I got a big record collection, so I buy lots of music. I've all, you know, like I'll pick up, you know, uh, a Plasmatics record, a John Denver record, you know, a Run DMC record, all in the same slot, you know. Mm-hmm. So like, everything cool. is everything is cool to me that way because music again you see, you never know what you what kind of mood you're in you know mm-hmm. like sometimes I want to fucking listen to Rage Against the Machine and you know get all pumped up and sometimes I want to like you know listen to some Elvis gospel and cry you know yeah. whatever like that's the beautiful thing about music is you can just put on you know music and it provokes all these different emotions just like movies do. What's so. like the most obscure? Um music uh, album you have <laughs> i mean oh dude I, I got everything from like you know history stuff like kennedy's doing his speeches and martin luther king doing his speeches i got you know pirate you know baseball games being on record you know they did that back in the day they would record like lou gehrig and or baby mm-hmm. speeches and shit. I got all kind. I got all kinds of stuff like that, man. Um, I love comedy records too. So like you know, all my Sam Kennison stuff. I love that shit. Um, and Dice, all the all the like the '80s. You know, the stuff that's like you know would be canceled today. Mm-hmm. That's all the shit that made me who I am. You know, listening to all that cool stuff. Yeah. So are you all sold out on your um, personal collection on August Underground, and just have like one copy of each, or? I know for a while you were selling it. And... Yeah. So what happens is, is that I take number one of all the movies, mm-hmm. whatever, if anything's numbered, usually number one comes to me. I think number one for Selaterska went to a fan. She got it. 
Um, that's the only time I didn't get a number one. But I, I have all the number ones, and they're all stored away in a storage unit. But I do take usually like 10 to 15, you know, and Jeremy gets a stack, and I get a stack, and Shelby gets a stack. And uh, we can do whatever we want with those. So, yeah. like, from time to time, if somebody, you know, hits me up and I'm, I feel froggy and I got it there and, you know, it's I, I kind of can, like, feel how passionate they are, you know, I'll sell it if I have an extra one. If I don't, then I don't. Um, like, right now, I'm seriously I, – I had two people back out on um, – in, in August, I did a thing where I was like, if, you know, if anybody, you know, is looking for one, like hit me up and the, you know, the, um, they're not cheap, you know, they're coming from my personal collection. And, uh, I had a few people back out, you know, and Hey, I understand like, you gotta, you know, feed your kids, pay your rent. You know, it was really a fucking, it's you know, a collector's a, item at this point. A $200 movie really worth it, you know? Um, but like that shit and fucking, you know, helps me, you know? and pay for my you know it's it's my art so, yeah no so getting into final interview and like because you have like 600 um left we um are you surprised by how like the sales of where it is is this where you expect it to be did you already expect to be sold out i, I, I was of course you hope that it sells out um, yeah but again i i was i was up against the fence and i was like either this movie sits on the shelf for another year or I I put it out, and I just got done doing a, a TV show for Netflix, and I had some money, and I put all that money into making this really great package. Mm-hmm. And I've always done that. I've always invested in myself. I have to, you know, it's my fucking, it's my movie. I can't sit here and wait and like, as much as like we want film festivals and the movie, you know, the movie is very well received. It's still a lot of people haven't seen it. Yeah. You know, and I know the price tag's kind of high. It's 50 bucks, but like it's fucking worth 50 bucks. Well, it's like, the package that we, what do you put into it too? It's a three disc. There's other, a lot of things to it. I and mean, when you look at anything else that's, you know, a three disc, that's, that's what it costs. You know, that's just yeah. how much what a three disc costs, especially for that packaging. No, for sure. You know, it's like you can eat. And, and the thing is, <clears> dude, <throat> live the time where like people would rather buy, you know, Army of Darkness for the 15th time, you know, because they just know that. Well, what, make, what actually what cracks me up is like the people will, you know, pay hundreds of dollars to get your August Underground collection, but um, from eBay and all that stuff. But none of that money is going to you. Oh. They really want to support you and they like, you know, they like you as an artist, buy your most recent film. And because that's, you know, know exactly where that's going. It's going to you. Not yeah. some guy that's trying to, you know, make a buck off of some eBay seller. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, it's kind of silly. It, it is. It's a good point. But it's, but it's been that way since day one for me. You know what I mean? Like, anytime you make independent art, people want to steal it. People want it for free. People, you know, they want to can make money off of it any way they can, you know. So, uh you know, and sometimes when I ask if, you know, this, this, you know, I, I got one copy of the Redson Tower left and it's 200 bucks. It's my last fucking one. I'm like, who knows when it's going to come out again? Um, if somebody's, you know, willing to pay it, you know, that's the number. That's what I want for it. There it goes. It's, it's my last fucking one. And then, you know, some people be like, 200 bucks, you crazy, you asshole, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, whoa, like you're the one coming to me 
asking about it. Like, right. you know, like they expect you know, a better deal because it's coming from the director. You know, like, yeah. you know, like you should have bought it when it was fucking forty dollars when I when I had you know two thousand of them. Yeah. You know, like, sorry, you missed the fucking boat and you just discovered my shit now or whatever. You know, yeah. I'm not trying to be an asshole about it. I'm just being realistic. Like, that's, that's a collector way. price. It's a, it's, yeah, there's, you have to understand it's a collector item at that point. Yeah. And that's, and, and that's what all the toe tag movies are. They are, they're all collector's items. Like, I never wanted them to be accessible to everybody. You know, I don't, I never wanted them to f- end up in a dollar bin in a gas station in fucking, you know, Connecticut. Like, you know, I don't, like everyone and their mom has a copy, you know? Yeah. Fuck that. You know, like that's what makes them special. It's like, Oh shit. You have one of those, you know, that's how, yeah. that's, how it was for, that's how it was for me with, you know, with records or, you know, VHS tapes back in the day, like getting a fucking wizard, uh, you know, f- f- you know, Fulci Zion spit on your grave or something like that. You know what I mean? Like all those tape trading back in the day, man, I paid a lot of money for shit. Yeah. You know? No, even like so within the year, um, I went from like kind of basically like I'll probably never be able to get a August Underground to I have actually a pretty substantial collection already, like a couple of your VHSs, um, you know, kind of like the thing, like a full collection, like everything you basically title, you know. Um, it took a, like a little bit of you know investing and figuring and but or buying people's collections, but but it was a crazy um, experience and roller coaster just trying to find all your all your shit. And stuff. I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> and I and I appreciate that you have it, man, in your collection, and you you enjoy it. Um, that's the whole thing, you know. Yeah, no, it's it's good product, so and it's uh, good content, and you've always you know focused on your craft, and I think that's what's like really kind of shines out is that you definitely are, you know, your hand your hands dirty with everything, you know. It's like you're not just um, pushing people around; you're like. Let me show you how I want it done, kind of thing. I love what I do, and uh, I'm I'm lucky to have worked with a lot of great, talented people and able to create, you know, something out of nothing. And uh, you know, as as an artist, you know, having the canvas of the visual medium is is awesome, and I, it's I love making movies, man. I really do. Oh yeah, well, what's your favorite thing outside of? your movies that you worked on like your effects so you're doing a lot of effects for netflix and amazon like is there anything you could guide us towards that we could watch and be like oh it's definitely fred's work there um so you know it's 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 really hard to say like i did um you know jeremy cruz and i we did a lot of stuff together so we did murder set pieces and that was like that was a big deal for us i was you know coming off august underground smortem and then we're doing like this two million dollar shot on 35 millimeter film in las vegas and you know we had full reign to do whatever the fuck we wanted and we were you know pulling some of the gags from the august underground movies to because that's what nick wanted and we were just happy i'm like nobody's gonna see my movie but like hey somebody's gonna see this shot on 35 millimeter and obviously things in history worked out a little different mm-hmm. um but i re- i'm really proud of what we did on that movie and i'm the people that i met on that movie son garrett and Jade Risser, who, you know, was in Cell Tersica. Then, uh, you know, I, I, I got to work with um, Owner Turkle, who uh, he did a movie called Summer Blood, and I did all the vampire effects in that in, in New York City. That was a lot of fun. You know, I felt like Savini, you know, in the 80s doing Maniac, just like me with a, a, a pump, like a sprayer full of blood, and like spraying blood everywhere in, you know, in Brooklyn 
three o'clock in the morning. That was cool. What um, was that called? It's called Summer of Blood. Nice. It, it's a it's a comedy. It's like one of those. Um, oh, they they give it a name. Like it's like a mum like a mumble talk movie or whatever. It's a oh know, yeah, mumblecore. Yeah, whatever they call it. Yeah. <clears throat> but he's really owner's awesome, and he's really talented. And I was really happy to work with him on that. Um, Jeremy and I did a movie with um, Adam Garish called Fractured. And uh, we did some pretty cool makeup effects with like, you know, with Vinny, we worked with Vinny Jones and uh, that was really cool. Uh, working in New Orleans. Um, but the stuff that I do now in the movies is um, I'm, more, I'm, I'm a set dresser. So like uh, I, I, I make these, I make movie sets come to life, you know, work with the decorator and um, really just try to like make things look real. Like my attention to detail is kind of like my, my specialty of like, you know, making, okay, you have all these, you know, pieces of furniture and shit. Like, how do we make this look like somebody really lives here? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's all those, little, all those little nuances of like, you know, from clothes on the floor to, you know, bubblegum wrappers on the desk, you know, little things like that. Is, is, is yeah. I gotta think like, so how would this person live? So like, well, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I kind of just felt, I kind of fell into this, this set dressing world, you know, like special makeup effects is something I love, <clears throat> but it's a hard gig, man. And I didn't want to go out to California. I'm an East coast guy from New Jersey originally. And I love Pittsburgh and uh, Pittsburgh is a very affordable city. And, you know, to be an artist, like, I don't want to live in a place where, you know, I, I can't afford. So it was, it was kind of like a no brainer just to kind of stay here and they make movies here, you know? So I ended up, um, you know, working with my buddy, Aaron Striner, who's the, his father was Gary Striner from Night of the Living Dead. And his uncle was Russ Striner from Night of the Living Dead, Johnny. And I work with him and, um, you know, we have a lot of fun, you know, you know, set dressing and you know working on these i'm working on a tv show right now called sprung from the guy who did my name is earl and raising hope um for amazon so it's pretty cool no it's cool it's because you're keeping involved even you know and even if toe tag's not no i wouldn't say it's dead it's, but it's not a thing it's not, you know, you know yeah. dude, toe tag toe tag will never die unless yeah. you know Unless you know Jeremy and i and shelby you know seriously close the book on it it's just that you know Again, Jeremy Jeremy can't leave his the effects world in California. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? He's he's he runs a shop out there. You know what I mean? So he has to do his thing, and just like me, like I, it's hard for me to take my time off because I'm important and I'm I'm needed for what I do in my job, and it pays my bills. And um, you know, I got, tired of eating, I got tired of eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches all the time, yeah, guys. Like, have you ever thought of uh, having other films get distributed through Totag? Like, well, we so we we started that towards the end, um, about two thousand. Oh God, it all kind of like blends together. Like two thousand thirteen. Um, you know, we put out like uh, Eric Stancy's Deadwood Park and Keith Boyd Jr.'s Army Lust and. Um, Adam Albrand's Crossbearer, you know, we were kind of doing like this toe tag line of movies, all yeah, movies yeah. I believed in. I thought were, you know, really cool and would work for toe tag. And Eric Stanzi is, you know, one of my, like, that dude's a super talented dude and, and uh, an underground legend 
too, you know, with scrapbook and yeah, that he's made. And same thing, like he works on big movies too now, you know, to, you know, so like we, it, we try to do, um, you know, our, our independent stuff, but like, we, you know, we're not kids anymore. We have to, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's just, you know, you, you just, you just, you just have to, you know, just grow, you know, I just can't, I can't be making the, the little shit like I wanted to back in the day. It's, yeah. It's, it's not fun to you know, not pay your friends, you know, it's okay. Like, you know, like when you're all doing it and you're, you know, they see you sleeping on the fucking floor or getting no sleep and you know, that works. But like, you know, when you're older and you, you know, you want to like, have somebody get naked and be covered in blood. Like, I want to give you some money for doing that shit, you know? So things are a little different. Yeah. So from the time of your first film to the current day, what's the most valuable lesson that you've learned? Um, Patience. Um, Have patience. uh, and, And don't, and don't get so worked up over the little things, you know? Um, I remember, you know, I had a lot of, you know, there's a lot of problems with August Underground. Like it, I was shooting it on the week. I was teaching full time and shooting the movie on the weekends, which is like the one that's like, that's lesson number one that I learned. I'll never do it again. Like now I make, when I make a movie, I make a schedule and we go for a week, two weeks, whatever we got to do, whatever it takes, but I will never make a movie on the weekends again. Never. Because then, you know, you're relying on people who have regular jobs and, oh, I can't come in tomorrow. And you're like, oh, fuck, I got all this stuff ready. And now you've got to work or you don't want to do it anymore. Or you got a haircut. You know what I mean? I can go on and on. There's always, you know, problem solving that you got to deal with there. So that sucked. Um, you know, the final interview it was, you know, working with professional actors. These guys knew their script. They came in, you know, we shot you know, 18 pages in one day, you know, Granger Hines and Damian Marusak were just that fucking good that they were off book and they knew the state. I mean, there's in the final interview is it's, it's just people talking, you know what I mean? It's dialogue and monologue after another. So uh, it just goes to show like how fucking talented those people were. And like that, you know, that got me off now. I was just like, fuck yeah. Like, I can kind of sit back and do Oh, let's do that. Let's do that again. But this time, you know, I can really direct instead of being like, you know, like the fly on the shit, like, okay, now we have to do this. And I have to put all my energy into making a person who's never acted before act better. You know, with August underground, it was easy for that because if they weren't performing the way that I wanted them to perform, you know, I just got fucking evil on them. And I, you know, and got a little stronger and can pick somebody up, you know, out of a fucking chair with one arm, you know what I mean? And like, that's the kind of stuff that I had to do to provoke that emotion and get that emotion out of them. And like, when you're dealing with professionals, like you can trust them and their instincts that they're doing. So, and again, you know, see people don't realize like this, you know, the final interview, even though it's a SAG movie, it's, it's an underground movie, you know, it was made by like 12 people. You know, it was shot nine days. You know, it was. I mean, renting the prison cost more than the first three August Underground movies put together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, uh, it's it's just you know it, it just it, I just had you know I just had the opportunity to have a, a, a producer on there that was able to help me with the contracts and get the actors that I wanted. 
that, that was a big deal because I couldn't have done it without uh, Russ Putman, who was my producer on that. Yeah. Well, cool. No, it's a good, um, it's definitely, yeah, it's, it's, it, it took him for surprise. It was kind of like a breath of fresh air. And then seeing the film, it, it made me um, see that you've kind of matured, um, you know, as a director and as a filmmaker um, and just were kind of really focusing on the character development and just focusing on, on, you know, not just the gore. Cause you know, there's, there's only, you know, a little bit towards the end and then really in the whole film, but, um, but it's still brutal and, and just like what, he's betraying and he's very real like you believe like just in the simple stares and and the dead eyes that he's giving during the whole thing that you can just see the evil in his eyes um like there doesn't have to be much said um it's all just read in his facial expressions yeah um it was was, you know damien was uh my first choice i remember like you know getting the script to him and uh it took a year for me to get all my money together to make it. And uh, I'm like, what I'm like, dude, just stop shaving. I'm like, grow your hair, grow your, grow a beard. I'm like, I don't know what you're going to look like in the movie, but just, I want to be able to start with a lot and go and trim down to nothing. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he hated me for that, but mm-hmm. he looks really great. Uh, I think, you know, the Darius Tidman character is a, a very cool character. And again, you know, being inspired by, you know, those, those old serial killer, you know, when I was making August underground, I studied so much on serial killers mm-hmm. and uh, you know, watching like the Kemper tapes and the Dahmer tapes and all this stuff. Like I wanted to, I wanted that look, I wanted that, that feel and uh, being able to get Granger Hines, who is the dude is the most easy to me. He's one of the best unknown actors. He's not unknown. I mean, he's in everything. He's in the Coen brothers, Buster Scruggs. I mean, he's been in tons and tons of stuff. He's so talented. And uh, he, he reminded believed, me of Geraldo in this. He me, you know, he believed in the script. And um, yeah, that was really, a, that was really a big deal, man. You know, this guy worked with Steven Spielberg. Like when I had my choice of actors to like contact, I'm like, I want the guy that worked with Steven Spielberg, you know, go from like one of the greatest filmmakers of all time to like, you know, the guy in the underground that made, made the nastiest movies of all time. So yeah. I thought it was uh, a, a cool contrast. And again, man, like he believes in me and he loved the, he loved the fandom of like what Toe Tag did. He's like, man, I can't believe like, you know, these people are just so dedicated to the, your product and your, and your art. And I, I, I want, he wanted in on that. And I mean, he just gave me a hundred percent. And then of course, Diane, <clears throat> you know, I only had her for two, three days or something like that. Um, but, you know, I couldn't, couldn't ask for a more beautiful, wonderful human being, you know, again, she was just, uh, so, you know, I wanted, if the movie takes place in the eighties, I wanted an eighties icon and the, the easy way is to grab a Heather Langenkamp, you know, or, you know, somebody more genre based like that. And I always think that I kind of pull from, you know, the outer circle of that shit, you know, and I thought Diane was like the perfect, perfect, you know, person to play Rhonda and, and bring her into this, into the movie. So. Yeah. 
No, it was, it was really good. Well, it was great meeting you. And great meeting you guys. Congratulations on your success. I mean, you look happy, and I think that quantifies what real success is too. So, um, I am happy. You know, twenty year, you know, twenty years making movies, not a bad gig. Yeah, and hopefully many more to come too. Yeah, I hope so too. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Uh, well, that was our interview with Fred Vogel. That was a uh, fucking crazy. Just talk to him, uh, mind blowing. Um, definitely got to dig into some things that we um, didn't really expect to, and it was a good talk. Yeah, I'm honored to be able to talk to him. It's cool. He's great. He's a really nice guy, and I knew he would be. Yeah, for sure. He's definitely someone that's been in it and you know has some wisdom and has some knowledge behind everything, um, and knows what he's talking about. So it's definitely a pleasure. And thanks to all our listeners for getting a lot of good feedback on the discord a lot of people on there now uh, there's a lot of different sections now you can post in and we have having screenings and streaming and yeah all kinds and of we, crazy underground. And we actually got to stream the, the interview live um for a few people to tune into and we're uh, so that way you don't have to wait for us to edit it and put it together you can might even hear stuff in. that got cut out <laughs> yeah i mean there's probably gonna be a lot so yeah. you know you might hear us just flooping around be like oh shit we might have to record that again sorry you might hear uh, christian gagging on his vape pen oh yeah no if you and actually you'll tune in you'll get to see the video part of it um so you actually so that's something that you won't be able to see in part of the podcast because we we did we shared the video so you get to see fred vogel through a podcast you're not going to see it. And I, yeah, I was definitely vaping um, the whole time right in front of Fred Vogel. Felt kind of badass. <laughs> That's exactly what you are. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, everybody. That'll be the end of episode 11. Yeah. Thank you very much. Sorry, I'm on a terrible computer mic for this whole episode. So that's why that sounds like that. It's okay. Well, we'll it's, it's fine. We'll work this out. All right. Peace.